0: Praise God. This morning, on this Palm Sunday, we're in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, and the first 11 verses. And as we, you prep yourselves in your Bible app, or whether you have the actual printed Bible, get ready for that. You know, it was only a matter of days, as you know, before Jesus would be crucified. And Jesus had just entered Jerusalem, and the crowd was waving all their palm branches as I've already shared earlier and shouting his praise and the onlookers a lot of them not all of them but a lot many of them were not sure what was really happening I think they got caught up in the moment and okay it is what it is right and in Matthew were Matthew's words we will see something that they said and asked so let's let's follow along in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 21. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went, and they did just as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Who is this? Who is this? This is a question that has been asked for a long, long time. In fact, Jesus, on, during his ministry, when he was with his disciples, once he asked them and he pulled them aside and he said, Who do people say that I am? Who am I to people? And they responded, well, some say you're the prophet, some say you're this prophet, you're the... They had all these answers of what people were saying, but the point was that Jesus turned to them and he asked this very specific personal question and he says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who is this? The crowds were asking. They wanted to know. Surely they had heard about all the things that he taught, all the miracles he performed who is this? Wouldn't they know? I mean, really? I'm sure a lot of people in the crowd may not have known. They had been distant. They didn't know. They didn't even, they went out and about. They didn't care, maybe. But who is this? And again, throughout the centuries, and even today, that question is still relevant and really important for us to answer, ask, and get an answer to. Who is this? And, you know, people were a opinionating and they're speculating even today that happens on the identity of who Jesus of Nazareth really was some people say of course that he was a guru he was a he was a wise guy and he had all kinds of gentle teachings of trite platitudes and maybe even object lessons of course that he gave to lay down some truths and principles to live by others say that Jesus was in a long line of prophets and he was a prophet by the way and he was a teacher as well And more than one apologist, or those theologians and those who are defending the faith and trying to verify historically and reasonably and and philosophically who Jesus was, they have argued. And you may be familiar with one of the names of C.S. Lewis who also said that Jesus could have been one of three identities. He was either a liar, right? Right? falsely claiming to be God or he was a lunatic, a bona fide crazy and delusional guy who was making all kinds of crazy claims about himself and reality and he was out of touch with what was really going on or in fact the third option is is that he was the son of God, the Lord. This is the answer that Simon gave to Jesus after he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? We are the Christ. You're the Son of God, the Messiah. You're the one. And you get that answer. And when you come to understand that, that he's your Savior, he's your Lord, he's the one that came, sent from God to make everything right that was wrong between you and God, everything changes. Who is this? It actually is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. But the question was still asked, who is this? It's a good question. Now, on this Sunday, for a while, I mean, Jesus had been doing all kinds of miracles. He had talked to people in private, one-on-one, different kind of context, right? But when he comes into Jerusalem, this isn't some kind of low profile. Let's keep it on a low down. Let's sneak in and kind of come by the side gate and whatever. No, this, this is a public Out in the open thing, he's accepting their praise in a public way. The declarations made about him and and what their people are thinking that he's a deliverer, he's the Messiah, all these proclamations. He's accepting and receiving and allowing all this to go on in a very, very public way, obviously, as he's coming to Jerusalem. And let me ask you a question. When you read these words, and when we read these words, and what stuck out to me, it says that all the city was stirred or moved when he arrived. And in their, I guess, puzzlement, when they were puzzled, they asked, who is this? With all this going on, let me ask you a question. Do you desire... I mean really, really desire? Do you really want in the deepest part of your spirit? Because you know that's what God wants ultimately if you're a follower of Him. And you're hungry for, I'm using that expression, but you're just, you're starving for God to move and things to be shaken all around you and things to transform on the landscape and the lives of people. Are you hungry for that? Do you desire to see God move in such a way that our own city, our own community, our own state, our own dark region that needs Jesus so terribly that it gets stirred and neighbors and people around us at least begin to ask, who is this? Because they see you, they watch you, they know you and they can say, who is this? Who is this who put your life back together and made something beautiful out of it after it was a complete mess and in shambles and in six million pieces all over the place? Who did that? Who is that in your life? Who is this who restored your family? Who is this who delivered you from addictions and bondages of all sorts? Who is this who turned your sadness Into joy. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Are people asking the question, what caused the city of Jerusalem to be so stirred? What is causing your neighborhood, your own home, let's make it personal to even be stirred, even shaken? If we look closely, I believe there are three simple, I'll call them catalysts of community stirring. Three simple catalysts and ultimately invoking that question, who is this? See, the first way a community is stirred is when followers of Jesus obey Him. They obey Him. If we want to see stirring, if we want to see the ground shake and things happening all around us and that question be raised, we've got to obey Jesus. Now, I know we do. I know a lot of us do. But I have to admit, there is inconsistency in my life when it comes to my obedience to my Lord and Savior, isn't there? We can all do better. We can all keep going back to the Scripture for guidance and instruction so we can hear Him very clearly. But that's what starts, that's what causes the ground to swell and to move and things to start happening in our lives. We come to know Jesus when we experience being in His presence. Now, how does that start? And and the real, the the most genuine, I believe, experience that we can have of Him and with Him is to listen to Him and to obey Him. Now, the people had been listening. Some had obeyed. Some had obeyed. Some couldn't obey. Like the rich young ruler, he couldn't get rid of his possessions. He couldn't obey. And he missed out on having this amazing personal experience with Jesus, a connection through obedience which led to eternal life and joy and everything else that comes with it. But we got to obey. And such was the case 2,000 years ago. And the stage was set. It was completely, perfectly set up to encounter and experience Jesus when He instructed, as we read in our text, two of His disciples to go into a nearby village, find a donkey, and bring it to Him. Verse 6 says, The disciples went, and they did as Jesus had instructed them. There's no doubt. There's no defiance. Now, we don't know what's in their heart, but their actions tell us. There's no defiance. There's no delay. They just went and did, the Bible says, in obedience to Jesus, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy that your king is coming to you, lowly and riding. On a donkey. See, these two followers who were sent to get that donkey could have decided that a white stallion was more appropriate for their master, but they didn't. They could have decided that, well, the donkey next door looks better, but they didn't. They simply obeyed him. And whether or not this was an amazing, miraculous thing where Jesus knew, and in the process, while he asked, because he's God, he ordains, he directs, he he, he moves people in that moment that this arrangement works out or if it's something he had a conversation with somebody beforehand. I I don't know. We don't know. But either way, the point is is that they obeyed him. They obeyed him, and it was in fulfillment of that prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. Too many Christ followers today, and I referenced myself earlier. Too many Christ followers today, they let what we think, I'll make it personal. I let what I think, we let what we think ought to be, to take priority over Jesus' actual commands. Oh, it's so subtle. So, so subtle. We just vary something. We soften something. And if you soften it, but it's very sharp, when God commands it, it's no longer His command. Let's soften it. Let's make it easier. Let's not make it offensive. Let's not, when He tells us to do X, Y, or Z, or to say X, Y, and Z. And yet... When you think about it, one reason that God moved the city that day to ask, who is this, was because the tremendous spirit of obedience among those who listened to him. Listen, you could do no better. You can't do better than to follow the example of these two disciples who, though they had no way to know what the future would hold and what their actions would bring about, they simply obeyed. You can't do better than that. You can't. I'm pretty sure, as I'm looking across and I'm seeing all your faces, I'm pretty sure, in fact, I'm very, very confident, almost 100%, 99.999999999%, right? Because we do live in this county with livestock and whatever else, so I'll, I'll put that tiny 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 fraction but I am pretty sure that your obedience won't involve a donkey so what does that mean for us but only you only you and God only you and God know what it will involve might not be a donkey but you know what it will involve you know what? Only you know what obedience he would require of you today, this week, Easter, for the rest of your life. But today, don't wait. Because they didn't delay, they didn't doubt, they acted right away. Is he calling you to repentance and faith in him? Because you've been the Lord of your own life and Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he wants to take the throne in your heart? You've got to give that up. Is he calling you to, to tell you to forgive someone? Is he calling you to help someone? Is he calling you to give something up? To take something on? To say yes to something? To say no to something? Because all you want to do is to be in control all the time and feel like you have to run around and do that all the time. Maybe that's what he's asking you to do, but you keep denying him and delaying and telling him you know better. I don't know. Only you know. I can't tell you, but I can say to you what his mother did say and told the servants at the wedding of Cana. Whatever he says for you to do, do it. Do it. We, when we honor him by obeying him, when more of his own people begin to experience him through obedience to his word, myself included, perhaps those around us will ask, who is this? Who is this that brings joy in the face of seemingly unconquerable difficulties and obstacles? Who is this that governs your life and sets you apart with this unshakable hope? When everything else is crumbling around us, how do you still stand? Obey him. And things start getting stirred up, believe me. Secondly, the second thing that causes movement and the stirring for God to stir in a community is when followers of Jesus praise him. We already know this. I know this, Pastor Bob. I already know this. Yeah, you do. But we got to we got to do a lot better at it. Can I just encourage you and challenge you? We got to do a lot better at it in our own personal lives and corporately. We got to be more consistent. We got to be more. Well, let me. I'll get to it. As Jesus begins his descent into Jerusalem, the people begin to honor and extol him. Right? They're literally. They carpet the road with their coats and with palm branches, and they shout, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! And as I say that, it almost sounds like when Jesus was born, the angels appeared, and they said, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, good will to men, in whom his glory rests, right? It, sounds, it almost sounds like that. All the, he's worthy of praise, and they're crying this out to him. But this is actually an echo of Psalm 118, verse 26. And the amazing thing... About this is, I, sorry. The amazing thing about this psalm in one eighteen is that it's a hallel psalm. It is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving to God. And here's the thing about this psalm: that this song, it is believed that it, and by most scholars, and where it's placed in Jewish liturgy, that it was used when there was a procession that was often led by the king, like King David, to go into the Jerusalem, to go to the temple and worship Him during the feasts. And in particular, one of the things that's done here is there's praise and worship to God and they're exalting Him because He is their sukkor. Do you know what sukkor is? He's their provider and their protector. And it goes back to this idea of the Feast of Tabernacles and here come the palm branches again. It's awesome. When you start to realize the depth, the beauty, you can't mind deep enough to see how incredible our God is and that these people are crying out, you're worthy of praise, you're the King, save us now! And Psalm 118 is all about God's protection, providence, and salvation thanking him for it over and over in that psalm. Oh, it's so amazing. I, I, oh. All right. What brought about this outburst of praise? What is it? Put yourself in the crowd. Put yourself in that crowd, and you're going to see right away. If you're there in the crowd, you look around. I don't know exactly who was here, but could it be that if you look, all of a sudden you see Bartimaeus over there? Wait a minute. Just a few weeks ago, a few days ago, he was blind, and now he sees and he's crying out, Hosanna, praise God, he's the God who saves. Wouldn't you join in? Wouldn't you join in if you knew that, you heard that, and you remember him being blind, begging, and now he's praising God? You'd join in. You would. Now what about, what about this, what about, you look over there and, and you're looking and all of a sudden you see Lazarus. And just a few days ago, Lazarus was dead in the tomb for four days. And Jesus comes. And what happens? He calls out and he raises him back to life. He's alive. But I'm going to back up real quick. Why did that even happen? How did that stirring of the grave and all the crowds there, how did it even start? It all started with obedience because Jesus said first in John chapter 11, He told those around them when he came to that tomb, what did he ask them to do before he commanded him to come out? Roll the stone away. Open the grave. If there was no obedience, I don't know. There's obedience. When there's obedience, there's praise. And God does amazing, incredible things you never thought he could do. It's incredible, and powerful what obedience can do and it leads to our praise we've got to praise him for what he's done and how about that for 38 years that man who was crippled and now he can walk and how about you keep listing all those people who are there look they're shouting they're singing they're dancing how can you not join in oh but let me tell you something in luke chapter 19 luke chapter 19 verse 37 There are some people there, Luke records in verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones are going to cry out. Tell them to be more dignified. Tell them to calm down. Tell him to stop dancing around. Tell them to stop yelling. Tell him to stop crying and saying Hosanna over and over again. Just tell him to stop it. It's not right. It's too loud. It's too, you fill in the blank. I don't know what was going on there. Stop it. Why am I bringing that up? Because even in the midst of that, we might... And we become we get so used to the mechanical and everything becomes so rote and just it's we, we just do things. And are you are you a praise pooper? Are you a praise pooper? I'm being serious. Because we've come to a point. Do you realize? Do you realize when you read the accounts in the Old Testament? And I encourage you to do that. If you want me to help you with that, I'll show you where that is. But when the God's people got together and you have the 12 tribes of Israel around the tabernacle and they get together and they start worshiping God and praising Him and hearing what's going on and they've gathered, the ground is shaking and they're all with a loud voice and you've got thousands upon thousands of people doing that? The ground's stirring up and shaking Something's happening there on those grounds with God's people in the camps all around him. And God is glorified. Don't be a praise pooper. Why don't you just join in and encourage others to praise God. Don't you and I have any less reason than Bartimaeus or Zacchaeus or all these others to praise and extol and exalt Jesus and to shout our hosannas that He did save us, He's saving us and He will save us? Have you seen His greatest miracle ever? The idea that He provided for a new birth through His death and resurrection? We were dead in our sin, and He brought us new life. Yet sadly, some of us have lost the joyful spirit of praise. And we desperately need to recover that, because it's what causes the community to get stirred. The third question, and final, when the question is raised, we find the third way in which the community is stirred. And it's when followers of Jesus tell others who he is. They proclaim that he is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one from Nazareth in Galilee. See, those faithful followers lining the street on that original Palm Sunday, they did not only praise Jesus, they began to share him with others. They wanted others to meet their Savior and Lord. Nothing could keep them from sharing the good news that Jesus was their long-awaited Messiah and that they had found in him their hope. For some of them, it was misguided. It was a false expectation that he would be some guy, who kicked the King and Messiah, the, the Deliverer who would come, and he'd set him free from the Roman oppression as Jewish people we're under their thumb we want freedom he's going to bring that and we're counting on him enthusiasm filled that day and caught up in the excitement of that moment the people begin to ask who is this and look at verse 11 in chapter 26 of Matthew the crowd lining the street responds this way this is Jesus this is Jesus And John records in chapter 12 of his gospel, verse 17. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. Right there on Palm Sunday. They had seen this. They were there. They followed during the crowd and they're, testif- they're praising, but they're testifying. They're verifying. They're saying, this is the guy. This is the man. This is the Son of God, the Messiah. He's a miracle worker. He's the teacher. He's sent from God. He instructs us and how we gain and have eternal life and inherit the kingdom of God. And they continued to testify. They could not be silent about who Jesus was and what he had done. When Matthew reports that the city was stirred. He uses the word in the Greek, seo, from which we get our word seismic. Hmm. But that's, that's unruly. It's, there's no place for that. You, you can't make a scene by being loud and obnoxious and whatever. Baloney. Baloney. Look at all the noise in our world. And it's okay. Don't tell me it's not okay to get loud and excited and praise God, our creator, the King of kings. It's not true. It's the same word that he uses later in his gospel in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, when he said that at the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the earth shook and the rocks split. Who does that but God? Who can make that happen but God? The city was stirred in the same way as an earthquake stirs the ground. You know, the tectonic plate's all moving and things are happening and shifting and it's unstable and and there's commotion and people, there's noise and there's activity. And that's what will happen if you and I, if this room full of people and all Christ followers everywhere begin doing what Jesus says. We begin to give Him the praise that is due Him and we proclaim who He is as the Son of God, the one and only Savior of the world, and then the whole city, our whole community, just might be stirred. Today, followers of Jesus are being watched. You're being watched. And many in our community, maybe even in our own homes, are waiting to see if there really is a God. They're waiting to see if he really does care. They're waiting to see if the people who fill the churches and sing his praises and and cry out to him and claim to know him, to see if those people are really any different than they are. They're watching you and me. And if they see us doing what Jesus says, and if They hear our lips and our lives praising Him. When we praise Jesus for what He has done in our lives and share our stories with others, they just might ask, who is this? Who is this who transformed your life? Who is this who put your family back together? Who is this who brought you peace in the midst of such tragedy? Who is this who enabled you to be victorious over your bondages. Who is this? Who gave you hope in the darkness of your circumstances? Who is this? Who is this? And then we will unashamedly proclaim, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Are we ready to do that? Are we desiring to do that? Are we wanting to see our world stirred up because Jesus is here. He's passing through. And we know he is, so we want to obey him. We want to praise him. We want to proclaim him, right? And so that that question can be asked because we have a heart that breaks just like Jesus because he knows that even though the city is stirred, when he approaches the city, Luke says, and he sees the city His heart breaks and he says there that you missed out because you didn't know the time of your visitation. Let's make him known. And let's not let somebody else miss out, if you will, in asking the question and us offering the question that this is Jesus. Amen? Lord, thank you for this day. Father, I thank you that you came so humbly, so willingly, obediently to the Father. And all the while, while you obeyed your Father's plan perfectly, you were praising and glorifying and giving honor to God the Father. And thank you that you proclaimed the truth, always, of who you were and of what the kingdom consisted of and how we enter there. And I thank you that in the end, when people ask the question, who is this? You always said that you are the Son of God. You are who people said you were, the King of the Jews. So God, I pray that as we prepare ourselves in anticipation for Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, that as we go through this week, Lord, we would be obediently praising and proclaiming you to all those around us. We ask you for your help by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. See you on Good Friday. Prepare your hearts, your minds, and be focused on what Jesus did for you. Amen.